This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Portia, I am so pumped to have you on my podcast. Um, I can't wait to hear your story. You're obviously a big deal. <laughs> you're oh. um, pretty, yeah, I mean, you are, you know, you run the Worldwide United Facebook page, which is you know, a page that gives so much light to people and it's just an amazing page. And, um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to hear your story of coming back to the church and, um, yeah, I just want to kind of open it up to you to share wherever you feel like you'd like to start. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ashley. I appreciate you having me. Um, and I found you because you had an amazing story. Your story was posted on the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints inspiration page. And then it came through also on Worldwide Unified. And I'm I'm an admin. I'm one of a bunch of admin, but and I'm also a content writer. So I'm not like, I'm really not that big of a deal at all. I'm like a more in the criminal unit maybe. But <laughs> You're a big deal. You're a big deal. <laughs> no, but anyway, I'm super grateful to be here. So um, so yeah, I was raised as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm the oldest of seven children, and I actually grew up in Richfield, so like small town, southern Utah. Um, and even though I was baptized when I was eight, in our home, um, we didn't have a lot of structure or discipline. My mom and dad were like hippies before it was a thing, like way back, <laughs> and so, which which was cool. Like we were really creative. We would make plays and dig huts and, you know, things that are now seem like amazing, but that's what we did for fun. Mm -hmm. Um, the challenge was structure, like no structure. So by the time I was 12 or 13, um, I really started getting into relationships. Like that was my first thing. And I remember just feeling like, um, I didn't fit in the church and it wasn't, it wasn't the church. It was just the structure of it, or it was an organization and we were kind of anti-establishment and it was just the rules were hard. And, mm -hmm. um, and truthfully, as I look back at it, I'm like, I wish I would have known my worth. Like, I wish my mom would have known her worth, you know, because it's so hard to pass something on that you don't have yourself. And so my parents, um, have struggled with their testimony and faith and they and my mom's just really insecure and she's amazing. Like she's talented and amazing, but, um, but her own struggles, you know, like I've learned as a mother, get yourself right, get yourself right. Like you can't give anything to your kids. You don't have as much as you want to, because my mom loved us and wanted to give us things, but she just didn't have it herself. And so when I went inactive, you know, she had a lot of other little kids and they just couldn't really deal with it. So I just quit going and, and boys were a big problem for me. Um, in high school, I partied a little bit, and but it wasn't like a big thing. Like nowadays, I feel like weed is everywhere. Like back then, it was like weed's a big deal, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's different. Um, and so I I ended up my pregnant by the time I was seventeen, and I really hadn't been going to church since I was thirteen. So. But I remember feeling like that is the right way to go. Like I, someday I'm going to get back there. I just seem so hard. <laughs> I'm like, I don't fit in. Like, and it wasn't that anyone made me feel like I didn't fit in. It was just like, that doesn't look fun. You know, what's fun is to party and, and do all the things I'm doing. Um, 
So I moved out at 17 with the, my little boy. I mean, I had him and was living in an apartment with other single moms, low-income apartment, and always thinking, well, if I could just get into the right relationship, like if I could find you know, someone else, which they're always available. So I got into another relationship, got married, and um, that wasn't going so well. And about that time, my parents moved to Sandy from the little town. And I remember when I got up, the first time they came up to visit, I was like, oh, like I could get a job up here. Like there's a chance for me to get out of that town, you know? And so I moved up and started working and then I found out I was pregnant again. So I had, um, I remember that at that point, just feeling really sad. I, I just remember feeling sad, like alone. And um, I actually went in and talked to the bishop. My parents were going to church there and, and he told me, you know, you might want to consider adoption. And I, I mean, I was just too immature to understand how serious my situation was. And, and he was a hundred percent like, Hey, you could get married. You could raise your son. There could be a future for you, but I think this is going to make it harder. And, and I would listen to what he had to say. So I had my, my daughter and I, I so remember a couple of things happened. I remember, um, right after I had her, my ex-husband showed up at the house and he said, why don't you just come back? Why don't you come back to me? And, you know, I love your son and this is my daughter and we'll build a life together. And we were sitting outside in the car talking and I walked into my dad and I said, dad, he wants to make it work. But I think I, I think if I do that, I'll never accomplish anything in my life. You know, I don't think I'll ever, I said, I think I have something important in my life to do. And it just, and he goes, no, I think you do too. You know? And so I told him no. And then my dad blessed my baby. And I remember sitting in the nursery and looking at, at all the other moms and thinking, how do I get from here to there? Like, I'm a single mom. My dad's blessing my child. And you guys are here nursing your babies and you have husbands and you're doing the right thing. But I just couldn't figure it out. It just seemed too hard for me. you know. And so I ended up, um, after I had her, I, I got into another relationship, um, and I got pregnant again. So like, I am just tearing life up, you know? And when that happened, I was terrified. I, I just literally remember thinking, I can't bring another child into this world and do this to more children. Like I can't do it. I was mature enough to know at that point. And, and so I prayed, I prayed for the first time in like, since I was a little girl and I just asked heavenly father to help me. And I certainly wasn't living the principles of the gospel, but I did feel a really strong warmth and strength that came over me. And I knew that I needed to give the child up for adoption. That He wasn't mine, that he was special, that he had a family and I, and I had the strength to do it. And I remember telling my mom and my mom was like, that would be too hard. Like, I'll raise him. And I said, mom, you didn't even raise me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> love you, but no, we gotta, you know, gotta make the hard choice at this point. And so, um, I looked around and I found the right family and, um, and the adoption was, was awesome. Like they were with me through it all. They were in the, the birthing room when I gave birth to him, I got to see them hold him for the first time. And then as soon as he was born, I just felt so empty. And they prescribed Percocet and I had dabbled in Percocet and, and, you know, prescription drugs, but it was like, I was hooked. It was the only thing that was going to fill my emptiness. And I went from Percocet to meth, like, <laughs> like it was just, I just was hitting whatever I could to fill the emptiness. 
and I remember um, feeling so, um, I was in bondage, like complete bondage. There was, I had promised myself a thousand times I wasn't gonna use anymore. Like I felt horrible, I would get really, really high and I would feel so much anxiety and then I would plan out how I was never gonna use again. And it doesn't work, like it's just no matter how many promises I made to myself, I broke them all. Like I would have ceremonies where I would like go up into the mountains and bury the drugs and I'm never gonna use it again. And then I'd be up there, you know, an hour later looking for the drugs. Yep, I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> over the drug like and um I had been out all night one night and I came home late and my mom was watching my son at the time was about seven maybe let's see seven yeah and I had a daughter that was five and he had been waiting by the window crying for hours for me and my mom just looked at me and said how could you do this to him how could you do this to you she's like if this isn't enough for you nothing ever would be and I went downstairs that night and I, and I, <laughs> I laid on the floor, literally sobbing and begged God, just take it from me. I will do anything. I will never get married again. I will never be in a relationship again. I don't need anything to make me happy. I just, I'll live miserable the rest of my life. I didn't know who I would be active in the church or what I would look like sober. I knew I just couldn't do that anymore. And I went across the street the next day and our bishop lived over there, and I didn't know him. And I said, please help me. You know, I'm, I need help. Um, he, was, he was the best bishop because he was honest. Like, I'm so grateful for, for honesty. He told me pretty quickly, he told me he thought I was really selfish and that I needed help. <laughs> you know, nowadays yeah. you get kicked out as a bishop for right. that, but it was like, you I was so it. scared. I didn't trust my own thinking anymore. And he goes, Portia, I you have so much potential, but you're really selfish. He's like, I want to help you, but your addiction is so serious. So he got me, um, he introduced me to a friend that went to AA meetings. This was like 25 years ago. So I went to AA and then he introduced me to the LDS addiction recovery program. And it was like three of us and we had an older manual. It was just like old school, you know? And I remember the missionary. I said, you have no idea how much I've screwed up my life. Like, it's such a failure. There's no hope for me. <laughs> and he said, Portia, all of those problems, put them over here. And then he said, and here's what I promise you. I promise you with priesthood, power, and authority, that if you go to meetings, if you go to church, and you read your scriptures and you pray, your whole life will change. You won't be able to solve those problems, but God will. And I was so desperate for the whole life change that I did exactly what he said. And it was so hard. <laughs> I dreamed about drugs. I want, you know, I, it took nine months of praying, reading my scriptures and, and feeling uncomfortable in church. And it was not anybody else. Like people were so kind. It was me because I just, I was so burdened and heavy and weighed down. And then I started working through the steps and I, you know, I told my Bishop kind of what was going on and, and, and that took a weight off me. I remember before I was going to go in and tell the bishop, you know, like lay it all out for him, because I know a lot of people think that's, you know, gosh, how, why do you have to confess your sins? It's a hundred percent for us. It's not for them. Like the right. bishop doesn't want to hear that, you know, but as soon as I did that, I felt so much freer and lighter. And I know like before I went in, every kind of lie went through my brain, like 
tell him that it was someone else's fault. Don't tell him that part. Like keep the ugly stuff to yourself, you know? And then when I went in, I just laid it all out. And he just looked at me and he goes, I admire you so much. You know, it was just such a loving, um, strengthening experience, empowering. Like as soon as I said those things out loud, they didn't have power over me anymore. And so I, you know, I just kept doing the right things. And at about nine months sober, I felt free. I was like, whoa, like I feel joy. I feel free. Like good things are happening. Um, I met my husband and we went to the temple. He adopted my kids. Life was going really good for us. And I wish I could tell you that it just kept, like it stayed right there. Mm -hmm. But I have, (laughs) I had another, you know, another fall where I relapsed. And so, um, but anyway, yeah, that was my experience coming back to the church. It's really um, where I built my testimony because I knew that God was doing something for me that I absolutely couldn't do for myself. And um, my faith is firm in the 12 steps and in our savior and his ability to, to transform our lives. So um I, Chad and I moved to American Fork and we had a little home and I started a a photography business of my own that was doing really well. And he was working and life was pretty good for us. I, in fact, I, I don't know about you, but when I went to the temple, it was like earth shattering for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like like, I remember looking at that temple thinking, Oh, that's going to be way too hard. And I made it. And I was so grateful to have garments. Like I know a lot of people don't like them, I love garments. I, oh my gosh, I feel the same way. It's like, I worked my butt off to get to the point where I can wear garments. If it's 110 degrees outside, I'm still wearing my garments because that was so hard to be able to get there. So I, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I went to Lake Powell a couple of weeks after I was in doubt, and I was the girl out there in my garments. <laughs> Everybody else is in tank tops. They're like, you don't have to wear them all the time. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're not coming yeah. off. Yeah, like, right, you know? right. They're your, your protection, you know? So Yeah, yeah. So I, um, so I, you know, I was, I stayed on that path, and then my business got busy, and I quit going to meetings, and I really quit doing a lot of the things that I needed to do for myself. And I had a back surgery after I had our first son together and I relapsed. I mean, I just, in my mind, it wasn't a relapse, you know, right? (laughs) because they were prescribed, but it totally was. Mm -hmm. And it just, um, I didn't get honest. I remember, you know, I was so involved in the 12 step program and I was way too embarrassed to be honest. It was just so dumb. Like, why would I? it's all for you. It's not for them. You know, I should have just openly admitted what was going on, but I didn't. And, and I really struggled. Um, I fought it and then I got pregnant again and we were building a house. So it wasn't like as, you know, I wasn't using all the time, but after I had her, I, it got worse. And then I got involved in real estate and, and I totally remember like my life is completely chaotic. I'm way too busy with my company. And my mind is like, well, yeah, get involved in real estate. That's a good, you know, like that'll help solve Mm -hmm. the problem. Like Mm -hmm. totally the worst thing I could do. And my, and my heart and my spirit knew it. Like I could feel it. And I just went for it anyway. And I used more drugs. And then eventually I remember somebody presenting this equity deal where you buy a house and you pull the equity out and, you know, 
oh, I would never do that six months later. That's all I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just how it works for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't just, I'm not just a drug addict. I'm a hustle addict. I'm a, you know, I, my integrity was not healthy. Like all these things that I struggle with that became very clear to me when I ended up going to prison and I got a chance to really like take the time to do a more thorough inventory and really humble myself. And I remember when the FBI showed up and I wanted to say, please, you can't, I can't go to prison. I just can't because like, you don't know how hard I work to get what I have and it's going to all be gone. You know, I can't. Mm-hmm. And we were talking before the show and it was like, it was like a death. It was like a death. And, and I'm grateful for that because in a way it was like, I did not care anymore what anyone thought because when you reach that level of a low, it's like, yeah. you know, I, I remember, um, getting, you know, on my knees early on in my sentence where I was so devastated, so broken and saying to God, I I just remember saying, Heavenly Father, I feel like no one, like I am a nobody to anyone. I have failed so bad. I am in the deepest hole and I just need to know who I am to you, you know? And I felt this incredible amount of love, like so much love, I never knew how loved we are. Like even through all of it, I knew that God had the power to change my life and I knew that he loved me, but I didn't know he could, he loves me like that. Like more than any man could ever love a woman, you know? And then I was like, why did I ever need anyone outside of this? This is everything. And I felt this strong impression that I had an important purpose on this earth. And I felt that in a prison cell, you know, I, I had to detox. I had to like, I mean, I was at my lowest and at my very lowest, I felt our heavenly father's love more than I ever have. And I knew that my time in prison was important and I couldn't, the only thing I could do was become the best version of myself. Like that was all I could do, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I, it didn't just change me. I think it changed the way I saw everybody else because I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, that's how loved we are. Then every single one of my sisters in here are so incredibly valuable to him. Like we, you know, and it just, and then again, the whole concern about what people thought of me, well, I'm a felon. It's like irrelevant when you know how loved you are, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, um, it was super painful to be separated from my family. Um, I would never undo it because I built a relationship with our heavenly father and our savior and a love for others that I had never experienced. And my whole worldview changed, you know? And so I've been home. I was there for four and a half years. Wow. Yeah. It's a long time. That is you a know? long time. Yeah. It's a long <laughs> time. It took me two years to just admit that I wasn't going to get out early. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wanted uh-huh. to stay at the dial like any day. Somebody's going to let me yep. go. Cause I'm such a great person. <laughs> but, um, when I finally like took a really good inventory. So I did like a spreadsheet inventory. It took me six months. Like I rewrote my whole life. I'm like, mm-hmm. let's get so, so honest with myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like starting at the age of four, any dishonesty, any, and I just, and then I like took a group of women down to the rec yard and I was like, okay, so I need to share this with you guys. And I like said it out loud and then I buried it in the rec yard. It was like, Love it. Ceremony, you know? 
I was like, I am going home free. I am going to go home free. And my soul just opened up after that. Like I, I started dreaming about a life that I have now, like a future where I could recover with my children and we could, um, just live such a meaningful life. Like Mm -hmm. I don't make much money, but I live a really meaningful life and Mm -hmm. have a lot of joy. And so I had to accept my life would never look the same. And that was okay. You know, whereas before I was like trying to get back to where I was. And now it's like, heavenly father has a way better plan for me than I have for myself. Mm -hmm. So, so when, how long has it been since you got out of prison? It's been three years. Um, just like this month, three years this month. So, um, my first year, like, I mean, it was so weird, you know, to come back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I knew I was, I mean, I was the only member for three years at one compound. And so like I, I fasted every week because otherwise I was a wreck. Like I really needed, like, it's like when you're just seeking, I get Mm -hmm. the enzyme that was like, like gold to me. I mean, I read every article over and over. It was like, I was holding on my scriptures. So I still have my scriptures right here. You know, my my hardcover, my prison scriptures. And I had those scriptures, like I slept with them the first two years, but I would get up early and I would study, study, study and pray like, Ooh, I sit outside under a tree and I prayed for like six solid months because my heart and soul was so broke. You know, Mm -hmm. I needed to, I just begged God to care for my kids and forgive me. And because it just took a while to see my way out of where I was, you know, but I Mm -hmm. felt so connected to God, like through all of it, I just felt so loved and connected, but so sad and broken. And it just, it took what it took, but I knew, um, I had been writing, like when I was in prison, I was writing on a blog and just sharing some of my experiences. And then I got home and I went back to taking pictures as a photographer and I, I didn't find the same meaning in it. Mm -hmm. And so I went to work at a treatment center and I loved that because I could share all my prison stories and the girls, I, I mean, it was just, they made me a t-shirt. You're the baddest prison biatch ever. <laughs> you know? so cute. And I just, and I, in prison, I did treatment. So, and I was kind of a leader in the treatment program. So I was like loving that I could do that when I got out. And then I was working one graveyard shift a week and I started writing a book, which I totally like, so well, as I'm jumping around here. So at the end of my sentence, they told me I was coming home on May 9th. And then they called me on May 7th and said, we're going to keep you three more months. And honestly, it was so devastating. Like I was so- I can imagine. Yeah, because I mean, I'd served so much time and Mm -hmm. my son was graduating at the end of May. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I missed his high school years. I thought I was going to throw up and pass out when they told me. I was like, please don't do this, please. Because I know how it goes. I was like, please- Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, it's just the way it's working out with probation and everything. And there was just nothing that, that I could do. And, and every morning I would go to the chapel and I would just cry and, and say, Heavenly Father, I did everything you asked. Mm-hmm. You can fix this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then that weekend, uh, the, we had volunteers. This was in a different prison. So we had volunteers that came in and they gave me a blessing. And I remember him saying, Portia, your Heavenly Father knows how strong you are and what you've been through. And he wants to give you so much more than three more months of freedom. Your heavenly father has plans for you. And I had, I had been praying, praying, praying that I would not forget my experiences because I loved these women and I loved the experiences I had. And I felt like, I don't want to forget who I became here, you know? Mm -hmm. And he said, and your heavenly father 
um, and you won't forget your experiences and you'll be able to share them and you'll share them with the youth of the church. So I, I felt a lot of peace and I called my husband. I said, Hey, here's the deal. I know it's hard, but we can do this because Mm -hmm. heavenly father's in it with us, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I didn't think I could write a book because that's scary. Like that's a big project, Mm -hmm. but I, all of a sudden I knew exactly how to do it. And I had all these blog posts. So I was able to like organize my content and I started writing and I found editors and I just put it together. And then, um, and then I started getting phone calls to share my experiences. (laughs) And like I say, now I need to go to the MTC, which is sharing with the youth. And I'm like, and my life is beautiful, but you know, you just have to walk through the hard stuff with faith and mm-hmm. it, it's, you're paid back so many times. So that is so awesome. So how did it feel when you went back to church for the first time and you're like, Hey, just got out of prison. Hi everyone. I'm like, exactly how it went. <laughs> like, was that, what did that feel like? Did you feel like people were judging you or did you feel like, did you feel welcome? What was that like? Well, no, I didn't feel like anyone judged me, but I totally just got up and bore my testimony and thanked everybody for supporting my family. Cause I'm like, there's no, like, I, I just assumed everyone was cheering me on. I don't yeah. know. Like mm-hmm. I just believed that and they did. Mm-hmm. And like, I'll, when I, I went to the other side Academy in Salt Lake a while ago and I said, you know, the world is cheering you on, right? Like I'm cheering you on. And they're looking at me. One guy goes, no. They're not cheering us on. Yes, they are. I said, you just don't, they don't even know it yet. I said, just keep fighting because everyone wants us to succeed. And Mm -hmm. I really felt that way. Like I would tell the girls in prison, I'm like, the world is cheering us on. Our communities are cheering us. We can't let people down, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I got home, I just was embraced. Like the, my bishop, I was asked to speak in state conference. The, the ward was great. The only challenge for me was the lack of diversity because I was used to like living in a prison with Muslims and this and that. And when we did go to church, it was in our sweats because we're in prison. Like, yep. So I was just like, wait, everyone's dressed the same and acts the same. The culture's a little challenging mm-hmm. in Utah sometimes, mm-hmm. but I was so, but I, I feel so loved. And here's the thing about, about leaving Utah. I mean, there's pros and cons to Utah, but man, when I got into prison, I just, all of a sudden I realized like, holy crap, what we have is so valuable. Like our temple covenants are so valuable. We are endowed with power and protection from our heavenly father and people notice. Mm-hmm. And when you get out of Utah, you notice because you just lived here around it. But I, people would come to me and say, Hey, will you come pray with my roommate? They just noticed, mm-hmm. you know, they just noticed. And it's like, I had these amazing experiences and I, I know that it was because it was endowed. You know, I just felt, even though I had, I had made some big mistakes. I was, I was even able to take my garments to, to prison. Like really? I was, That's yeah, awesome. I was excommunicated. Like my, my bishop and state president, I, they worked with me through the whole process. So I was just really open about it. And mm-hmm. the response was amazing. That's so for, awesome. I know there's people that haven't had that response, but for me, it was just, it was just, I was so loved and embraced by the members of the church. I love that. I love to ask that question on the podcast because I have found similar responses from, you know, everybody that I've asked. And also I had the same experience myself when I came back. It was, you know, I felt 
welcomed. And, you know, I love what you said that you felt like they were cheering you on the whole time. And I had a very similar experience. And so I think it's so important for us to highlight that for people that might be either considering coming back or they don't want to feel judged because of, you know, the way they, or for whatever reason, you know, because I do feel that that's, that's, the, a pretty common experience to have is feeling welcomed when you come back and loved and um, supported. So I'm, thank you for sharing that. I love it. Yeah. I have a, I have a friend who I met in prison and she is just a beautiful, amazing person. And I knew it right away. She was Christian. I, you know, a member of the church and, but we were roommates and she would pray every night. We pray together and she went to a Christian service. It was I was in Minnesota at the time and there's a lot of, um, a lot of Christian in the, that area, but not LDS. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, um, when she got out of prison, I mean, I just loved her. She was raised so poor. She had the hardest experiences and she was humble and kind and good. And I thought I have a lot to learn from her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not going to try to convert her. Like I need to learn what she has to teach me. And she got home from prison and she, she wrote me an email and she said, guess what? You know, I'm going to college and I started working at this care center for the elderly and I met a woman and I just love her. She's like my best friend and she's a member of your church. And she told me she can't die till I get baptized. Wow. Wow. She says her husband died like 20 years ago. She's had a stroke and she said she's been waiting for me. And I said, oh my gosh, Christina, you know, I was so excited. And And so then she was going to just NA addiction meetings Mm -hmm. on just, and um, an older man named Woody, he's like 65. He came up to her and said, I want to know what, what church you go to, because you're so lit up. And she said, well, I'm talking to these missionaries. So he goes, I want to talk to them. So both of them got baptized. Oh my gosh. I literally just got the goosebumps all over. That is it so amazing. The most beautiful experience. I flew back there and I sat there with all of them and with Cecile and Cecile and I were both crying and she, and she goes, she's such a good person. I said, Cecile, I feel so much joy, you know? And so they got baptized. Cecile passed away not long after that and broke poor Christina's heart, but she knew she's like, she's going to be with her husband, you know? And then recently I got to go back for her to be endowed in the temple. Wow. We sat there in the celestial room and she looks at me and she said, Portia, we met in prison and today we're in our heavenly father's highest kingdom of glory on the earth. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I felt joy like I've never felt. Just so much joy and so much purpose in all of these experiences. Mm -hmm. And she is an amazing force for good because of her experience, because she's an addict, because mm-hmm. she's lost family members to addiction and suicide and all of that. The people in her ward have not just embraced her, but they have looked to her for guidance and how they can su- support other people. Her, one of the, first of all, the, the session was packed. The whole ward came and they, so awesome. <laughs> it's so cute. The, the little temple matron comes up and she goes, who's all with her? And I said, everybody, we're all here for her. She goes, who should I? I said, we're all her escorts. I don't know what to tell you, you know? And so then uh, the little gal that was sitting next to me, she goes, she's such a giant and spiritual giant. She's teaching us all so much, you know? Uh-huh. And to me, like that has been my experience. My word just supports me and, 
they'll like, if I bear my testimony, they're like, oh, I just love it when you share. And I talk about going to prison and my addiction and giving my son up for adoption, all of that. I just share it mm-hmm. and people seem so open to it. Mm-hmm. So my experience is the gospel needs us. When we come back, we are a force for good. And they see that and they mm-hmm. want, because there's, they've got kids that are out there. They've got family that are out there. Yeah. They, we give them hope, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I love that so much. So I have a couple questions for you that were submitted by, um, some folks following my Instagram account. And so I just want to ask these questions and hear your response. Um, so what advice do you have for people that are unsure if the church is true? Ooh, (laughs) starting off with a fiery one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, That's tough because like I was at such a low point that I didn't trust my own thinking at all. So when I came back to the church, it was just like, I'm desperate and I'll listen to other people. I don't know what it would have been like had I not been at such a low. And I think because God changed my life, like I never questioned it. Um, Even when I went through I remember a gal telling me when I first got to prison, she said, oh my gosh, she goes, aren't you angry at God? And I said, God's my only hope. Like, how can I be angry? I'm screwed at this. Right. He's not, he's not mm-hmm. loving. He's not with me. I'm done for, you know, mm-hmm. on my yep. own. I'm, I'm nothing. But um, all I know is that my feeling, like, I can't deny the power of my life. I can't deny that power. And so, like, if you're questioning the church, I think, and you don't know that it's true, it's like what Alma says in the scriptures. And I'm not like, I'm not a Book of Mormon thumper. I'm just not. I mean, I read my scriptures all the time. But what Alma says is he's like, just try it, you know, try just it and see if it doesn't. Yeah, try the experiment on. And and as you do those simple things that they told me a long time ago, like I, I read a chapter every day in this, you know, the scriptures, um, and I, and I pray and, um, I guess just, you know, find what makes you feel good. And, um, I know the other thing that's been so powerful for me is to truly in a very humble way, reach out in prayer and ask Heavenly Father who I am to him. And I felt myself kneeling before the savior and my perception of who I am changed, my worth changed, my value. And if you can understand who you are to him, then everything else falls away. It's like, I have so much worth. I don't need drugs. I don't need men. I don't need the world. What they think of me is irrelevant because I know who I am. And so if you can just get to that place where you reach out, and I don't care what religion you are, your God loves you. He loves you and he'll guide you there. Like Christina, she mm-hmm. said, you know, I've talked to her and she's like, I was not ready for the church when you and I were roommates, but you loved me so much. And I knew you did. And she said, but when, it, when the time came, it was right there for me. So reach out to your father in heaven. He loves you wherever you are. In my lowest moments have been the most powerful spiritual experiences that I've had. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. I agree. And I, that little part about the experimenting, I, I, that was exactly what I did when I came back. I was like, I have no idea if this church is going to, if it's 
gonna help me change from my drug addiction and if it's gonna help me on the right path but I have nothing to lose I've already lost everything I'm you know living in my parents house with nothing you know I'm just mm -hmm. gonna experiment and I'm gonna just if it works awesome and if it doesn't then I'll go back to my old ways but my exper oh. my experiment proved that you know wow the the savior's atoning sacrifice is for me my heart is changed. Yeah. My life has changed. My, I've been blessed so much more than I deserve. And, um, so yeah, I just wanted to reiterate the experiment because yes, I love that answer. Um, okay. So question number two, um, let's go with, so what was the turning point that made you return? So you know, you have, you're struggling with your, all of this stuff, your addiction and everything. Um, yeah. you know, you mentioned earlier on in your story that, um, you know, it wasn't fun to go to church. It wasn't the cool thing, you right. know, you're partying with your friends and what was it yeah. that kind of made you go to the church and not maybe other places like where you felt could have felt a part of? Yeah, so I think, you know, when I came, I mean, I was like at the lowest low as an addict where I had, when I came back to the church. So I was desperate. Um, once I could, once God like literally did for me something I couldn't do for myself when my life changed, like we're talking night and day from what my life was to what it became, I had confidence. I got married. I went to the temple. I was being a good mom. Like I remember that exact day when I was like on a field trip with my kid and I wanted to scream at all the other moms. I'm doing it. You don't know. Like I got pregnant when I was 17. I was a failure. I'm a mom and I'm a good mom right here, right now. Like it was such a big deal. Only God could do that for me because I was a mess. Mm -hmm. So, so I was converted. And I never doubted that, not when I found out I was going to prison, not even when I went off the rails and relapsed. I always knew God was the answer. It just, I just blew it, you know? And you just sometimes blow it. And yeah. that's what it is. I knew better and I did it anyway. And I knew the whole time I was using it, I'm like, I am so screwed. Like, mm -hmm. I have to stop. I have to change. But what made, like, always deep down, I knew the church was true. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, yeah. I just... I'm like, I couldn't live it. It was hard. Like mm -hmm. I remember thinking it just doesn't work for me. That's too hard. Like there's just, there's something different with me and those people that can show up and do it because that mm -hmm. doesn't look fun. Right. But then I felt that power in my life that came into my, at first I just had to start doing it, even though I didn't want to, that's the desperation, right? Like mm -hmm. the experiment where you try some things you haven't tried before me, I'm stubborn. Like I had to get beat down. You know, mm -hmm. I hope I mean, man, do I hope nobody else has to get that up and down, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if you can find it without that, that's amazing. Um, but I I guess I was always looking for something outside myself to bring joy, excitement, happiness. And nothing compares to that internal peace, love, confidence. And I didn't know. I don't know why I didn't know, but I didn't know that's what why people could go to the church and show up and do all that because they felt peace inside them, you know? Mm -hmm. So the more I looked for a different drug or a different party or a different man, mm -hmm. it got me nowhere. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I stopped and let God help me find myself, the world opened up and a whole, my view changed, my confidence changed. So it just took me getting beat down, but 
sometimes I look around and I think, you know, what we have is so flippin' special. Like it's yeah. special. You get outside of Utah or, you know, when I go even into AA meetings, I still go to AA meetings and stuff. And I, and I love AA and I love the 12 steps, but like, it's a whole new level of special when, you know, and I share my, I mean, I share my, my experiences in church that I am an addict and everything else. And when I go to AA, I share my love of the gospel of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and everybody embraces me in both places. And I think it's just because I'm super comfortable with me. You know, like, I'm like, I already died once. Like I lost everything. Mm -hmm. So what do I have to lose to just be super authentic? But I also don't judge anyone. I'm so grateful for every step of the journey. I'm like, how cool that you're an AA right now and you're not using today. I do not care what church you're going to because we're always here. And when you want more power in your life, the temple's right there, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it just took me getting beat up, but I hope it doesn't take everyone that. (laughs) Well, I love, you know, your story of like, oh, so we can go to church. We don't have to be perfect to go to church. Like we can go to church and experience, you know, the, the, just the cool parts of, faith and a relationship with God and our savior. And we can have that. And we can, even if we're using, especially if we're using drugs or if we're drinking coffee or if we're smoking (laughs) cigarettes or whatever, like, you know, that, um, you know, and I, I think I heard you say, correct me if I'm wrong, that, you know, some of the lowest points of your life, it's like, those were some of the times where you, were yeah. spiritual times for you, you know, right. where you're in prison, but your relationship with God is so strong, but you're in prison. Like that's a, right. <laughs> that's a, a low it doesn't place. Make sense. But... I say now I'm like, I am tired of climbing out of deep holes. I know God will never get tired of me, but I'm tired of me. Like, yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have, I mean, I'm 50 years old. So I'm like, I don't have the energy to like, I'm relapse to me I mean I'm seven and a half years sober I I think you're probably more than that sober but for me like relapse seems like death to me yeah because I know now like it's the only thing that can take me out you know Mm -hmm. like I have this light and joy and beauty in my life and drugs are like the one thing I injured my leg really bad when I got home like to the point where the ambulance had to show up I tore my hamstring off my bone and and I was like I'm an addict and I'm sober (laughs) I relate to that so much. Like having my babies, I'm like, dude, don't give me pills. Don't give me pills. I'm an addict. Like first thing to the doctor. I was like, don't give me anything. And then I came home and I was like in total agony. I said, okay, send one and a half pills. Yeah, yep, yep. (laughs) One and a half and I'll just take that. I'll be fine. Don't worry. I'm so scared of them. Yes. Well, and it's for a good reason. And I think another thing for me, and I'm sure it's probably similar to you, but it's like, once you've had such a, a experience of your whole life changing like that, it's like you hold on to the gospel because it's like the contrast between life before oh, yeah. and life after. It's like, it's so, it's such a bright light in the after. And um, just to, you know, and I treasure that. Like I will never take oh, it yeah. for granted because I've been in the lowest of the low. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, though? I think other members love that. Like the people, I was in the temple yesterday and this woman came up to me and she goes, can I just give you a hug? I'm like, sure. She's like, are you Portia? Yeah. You know, and she's like, oh my gosh. 
She said, I love your story. I love where you've been. She goes, I've always been an active member. I always knew I wanted to go to the temple. And she goes, but when I hear you, there's just so much power in that. Like you're the atonement. You, you represent that to me. And I was like, geez, thanks. You know, mm -hmm. how cool is that? Like I have been nothing but celebrated as a person that's come back and failed and come back. Like, right, right. Never over for us. We mm -hmm. are always so loved and welcome back. Yeah, so. for sure. So tell me a little bit about life today. Like, you know, <laughs> what, what are you doing? Like no more photography. Yeah. It sounds like. No. Um, well I have six children total. Um, since I got home, the son that I gave up for adoption, we've reconnected. His mother's amazing. His family has been so supportive of me. And I just, that's the kind of things that happens when you like come back. Right. That's the beauty of life. Like all these good things come into like your life. Like it just keeps that's getting the, better. And like we can yeah, handle the and hard. you're just blown away. Cause you're like, yeah. you spent so many years just feeling the, the doom of what mm -hmm. comes next. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're like, wow, like things, good things do show up, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's been really special. I have four grandkids. So what? like I, yeah. Hey, I know this is a podcast, so people won't be able to see you, but you look like you're 35. I'm just, you do not look like you could have grandkids, just saying. Wow, that's nice. Yeah, no, so, well, I did start at 17, so I have a 33-year-old son. Okay, well, yeah, yes, but still, 35. I'm sticking with that oh, number. You're amazing. Um, so I, I love that. Like today I was, my daughter called, it's so cool to be in a place in my life where my daughter can call and just say, Hey mom, can you come help for a few hours with the baby? And I like get to run over and he loves me. Like mm -hmm. he just, he, you know, they trust me. I show up in their lives. Um, I do a lot of speaking and I just, people ask me to come talk at a fireside or I get to go to the NTC and speak. And I work at a therapy office a couple days a week as a mentor. And then I work at a treatment center one day a week. I go into a foster care facility occasionally and teach empowerment skills. I wow. do everything I love, everything I love. And I make no money. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like kind of stuck on that because I money was such a thing for me before. Right. Now I'm like, I'm going to die poor. Like we all are going to be laying there with nothing. Yep. And I, I, once I got to prison, I was like, there wasn't one ounce of money that I missed. I didn't miss good food. I didn't miss Mike's house. I just missed my kids. That was it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so I was working to make more money so I could spend time with my kids. And I had my kids the whole time. Like I right. gave my kids up for money and it, it changed things for me. So mm -hmm. I'm really careful about everything I do and not getting involved in any kind of a hustle. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just do the things I love. So, Yeah. That's so beautiful and amazing. And I, I just, it's so, I'm like oh. honored to hear your story and oh. have you on my podcast. And I oh, just, you are doing such amazing things. And I think that just when you were telling me that just barely, it's like, I think that, you know, you're doing the type of things the savior would be doing if he was here today, like helping and with the foster kids and with the addicts. And I think that's something that, it's so important for us to remember is like, you know, where would the savior be? He would be with the people that are struggling and having a hard time. And we need to be his hands here. And, you know, if you have somebody in your ward or your neighborhood or whatever, that's struggling with who knows what it's like, we need to be his hands and help. And, um, yeah. it's just so much more meaningful than anything else that we could do.
So, right. So, what, any other uh, imparting words for us? Give us a, a final <laughs> like. I think the only thing I would say is just, and I'm sure you would agree, never give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your parents. Don't give up on God. Because I would have never thought 10 years ago or 20 years ago that my life would be so beautiful, that my whole perspective would be different, that I would feel the level of joy and confidence I have in my life. Please don't quit. Like, you always have a chance. I was at such a low, you know, my addiction really, both times I hit a low that was extreme and intense and and God was with me and there was a path out for me. And it takes time. It's not like a short game. It's a long game. Eternity is a forever game. And you are loved, you are valued, and there is a purpose in all of your pain too. So, you know, it hurts me when I hear you probably too, when you hear family members that have family kiddos or people that are addicts. And I'm like, I'm so sorry you're going through that. I've put people through that, mm-hmm. you know, take care of you, get yourself on strong, solid ground. Don't lose yourself in their addiction. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I know even I've got kids now that, you know, I've got a son that likes to drink. I've got, I mean, mm-hmm. they're going through their own things. Some mm-hmm. of them are active. Some of them are and I look at it and say, they need me to be my firmest, most close to the Savior self. Like yeah. They need me to be their guide and their strength. They need me to love them, see past that, and believe in them. But I can't do that if I don't have that connection to our Heavenly Father. And so I think as loved ones or people that are dealing with family, just know, keep your connection so firm, whatever you have to do. And the rest of it might take time, but there is always hope in Jesus Christ. So. That is so beautiful. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with me and you are just beautiful and amazing. And I am just, I'm so grateful to know you and to just. I feel the same way. I, I, um, worldwide unified. I was talking to the other, the other guy that is an admin. He's like, we have to get her on. We have to get her. Yeah. We love your story. And you, uh, everyone loves your story. You have this beautiful light and mission on the earth. And I love that. And I love that we're sharing it together. So thank you for, we will be in touch. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much.